Connect and experience art at the Northfield Arts Guild. Visit our galleries, arts festival, and take in a performance at our theater featuring a full season of dramas, comedies, and musicals. The Guild's gift shop showcases unique art from over 100 local and regional member artists. Come enjoy music from the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra or the 411 Concert Series. We invite you to explore your creativity in one of our classes. All are welcome at the Northfield Arts Guild. To learn how you can be a part, visit northfieldartsguild.org or call 507-645-8877. Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist, is brought to you by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts. And now, Art Zany, radio for the imagination. Good morning. And welcome to Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. This is Paula Granquist. You're tuned into the show that celebrates creating and stories. And we are going to tune our imaginations together today. And this is going to be an introduction like you haven't heard before, because we are going to start by kind of taking a little time travel through music to get us into the mindset of our uh, topic for today. So we're going to start this journey with a little romance music from a hundred years ago. So this is Jennifer Grimm and Joe Cruz with Cheek to Cheek. So let's go ahead and get this started. And I'll sort of tell you where we're going. We're just going to wind down the clocks. So let's start it off. Here we go. Heaven, I'm in heaven. And my heart be so that I can hardly speak. That's Jennifer Grimm and Joe Cruz. And lucky for us, they are coming to Northfield on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. for the 411 concert. So you can celebrate your St. Patty's Day in a way that's a little unique. And this particular song, Cheek to Cheek, is a song written by Irving Berlin in 1934. And it's for the start of his new musical with Fred Astaire. The movie was Top Hat, co-starring Ginger Rogers. So it's hard to believe that that was a hundred years ago. and But I just really love that little clip. It kind of sets the mood. I don't know if you were shaking your shoulders and having a little fun in the morning here. But now we're going to go back even farther. We are going to go back to 1786. So now we're taking a trip almost 250 years ago. And this piece is a Joseph Hayden piece. And this is called The Seven Last Words of Christ. And we're just going to listen to a bit of the introduction here to um, go ahead and, again, take our minds back. So I think we're back now almost 250 years. Here is the, um, let's see who's performing this. This does not, I'll, I'll look that up while we're listening. Here we go.
We've got Joseph Hayden, and this is the seven last words of our Savior on the cross, and it's an orchestra work by Hayden, commissioned in 1785 or 6 for the Good Friday service at Cadiz Cathedral in Spain. And this, I'm, I'm not sure of who is performing this, but you can come see a rendition of this at the Cannon Valley Regional Orchestra concert. Those concerts are happening next weekend. They are on Saturday, March 9th at 3 o'clock at the Northfield United Methodist Church here in Northfield. And then they're also going to be performing on Sunday, March 10th at 3 o'clock at the Cathedral of Our Merciful Savior in Faribault. And you can get information about that and the prior concert at northfieldartsguild.org. Okay, folks, we're digging back even further in our introduction because we are now ready to go back over 350 years This is just kind of cool. I just like doing this and thinking about what life was like in each of those eras. This is from Madness and Enchantment, music from the 17th century England, performed by the Juilliard School's group, Juilliard 415. And so we'll listen to, this is just a collection of songs. This is um, just the opening we'll listen to. But I encourage you to take a look at all of these things and see Uh, more, uh, there's so much music out there, but this is our way of taking a time trip back. So now we're entering the 1600s, 1700s. Here we go. Time travel can be a little bumpy, and we had a little bump there ourselves. And this, again, is uh, from the uh, folks at Juilliard School. This was in May of 2021. Rachel Podger is the conductor and violin player. This is music from Shakespeare's plays by Purcell and Clark. Uh, This one, I believe, is from Jeremiah Clark, the overture to Titus Adronicus. So it sets the tone for what we're talking about today. And so we'll wind down that music. Hopefully your mindset is there, because that's where we're going. We are going to the world of Shakespeare in the 1600s. From 1564 to 1616 was his life. But this is not the bard. A spin. This is a spin on our usual experience with Shakespeare, because this is the world 
of Anne Hathaway. So let us begin our tale. And I want to welcome to the Art Zany Radio Studios um, my guest today. I'm really delighted to have you both here. Um, both Susan Dunhop, welcome. Thank you. And Tom Johnson are from the production of the Northfield Arts Guild Lab Series production of Shakespeare's Will. You can get information at northfieldartsguild.org under the theater tab. And I think this one is posted under the lab series. And this is a one-woman show. So this is really a big deal, Susan, and I'm so thrilled. It opens next week, Friday, March 8th at 7.30, and then again performed on Sunday, the 10th of March at 2. So only those two performances. Tickets are on sale now, so you can get yours. But let's um, let's take a, a journey through that. And, um, of course, in order to make our connection to that world, we probably got to start with introducing you because you're the ones that are going to be taking us back to that world. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe a little bit of your con- con- connection or interest in this particular production of Shakespeare's Will. Let's start with you, Susan. Okay. Yeah, thank you so much for having us, Paula. Oh, it's a thrill. It's I'm... a delight to be with you. Good. Again. Yes, <laughs> yes, both of you have been here before, too. Yeah. Yes. Um, so... Um, I think of my journey with this play as going back a long ways. Um, I can't even think how many years. It, and I, I would guess that a lot of listeners have had this experience where you, uh, you pick up a book. In this case, I picked it up at a used book sale with a number of other scripts. Kind of just tucked it in my bag. Didn't pay much attention to it for a while. This was years and years ago. Read it. And it just really captured my attention. And then I put it on the shelf and it kept kind of coming back to me and coming back to me. So I became very pesky with it and brought drawing attention to it uh, to my friends and saying, oh, we should do this play. This is really cool. La la la. <laughs> and, Although uh, it's a one woman show. So how could your friends do it with you? Oh, uh, well, I... I <laughs> We like I, to have uh, affirmation of, yeah. <laughs> of what we want to yes, do. Yes, we do. And, and, and in fact, I actually, um, actually read uh, parts of it to friends of mine at one point, and they very patiently listened to me while I expounded this, all this text. And um, then I was down visiting my sister in Kansas, and I had her and another family member and friend listened to it while I read it. So I was very enthusiastic about it. And I think probably I just became sort of a thorn in people's sides. And eventually, um, several people at the Arts Guild said, we could do this as a a lab production. Mm -hmm. Tom was one of those people that I pestered about it. And, um, and he picked up the gauntlet when I threw it down, I guess. Yeah, were you the one that pushed pushed her over the edge to say, "Let's make this happen"? You know, um, I I think so. <laughs> Actually, um, Susan and I have been uh, friends for uh, oh eight years or more, and um, she ha- I I heard her talking about this play, I or show I should say, because I didn't even know it was a play. I thought maybe she had just put some pieces together to to, to create mm. a show. Um, and then it turns out that there actually is um, a script. Um, and um, what, what kind of happened was um, I'm involved with an organization called uh, MACT, Minnesota Association of Community Theaters. Um, and uh, MACT has a, a one-act play festival every two years. And we were kind of short on play entries. And so I thought of 
of Susan's show and uh, suggested, well, maybe we could uh, could do it. And uh, that's talking about it is what led to her uh, talking to uh, the guild about it. And um, I looked at the script and. Um, when we were going to do it for the, the One Act Play Festival, Susan said, well, I'm going to need you to observe, you know, to be the person who's watching this. And uh, as it became closer to being a, a lab production, I just said, you know, I, I, I can direct this. I'll direct this if you want me to. I, I read the script, and I, I have a feeling for it, for the way it's written and, and what it's about, even though I've, I've never directed a Shakespeare play <laughs> yeah we should mention because it's called Shakespeare's Will and it's a one one woman show the center of the story is Anne Hathaway and that might be some a character in history that not everybody knows so what would you like us to know to sort of as an introduction to who is Anne Hathaway well there there are a lot of big different theories about who was Anne Hathaway Mm. and um, I, I did some various types of research and preparing for the role and um, I, I think she's in a little bit of an enigma, partly because Will Shakespeare took so much focus during those years, and she was home raising children. And um, so there has been a lot of speculation and a lot of different takes on this. And some people might be familiar with the uh, book Hamnet, which was... Um, it was published, I think, what, three years ago, maybe? Something, three to five, four, something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Maggie O'Farrell is right. the author. wonderful book. Um, but her take is a little bit different than with this play. And um, there is also um, a play called Hamnet, which we discovered when we were over in London. Mm. It had opened just two days before we got there, and we didn't even know it was there. So we got to see the production of that, which was just fascinating. And is that based on anything, or is it it's another interpretation of the? No, it's it's um, based on the book. It is? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize I turned it into a yeah. play. So that was a marvelous experience. So regarding Anne, I see her as... Um, I see her as a woman who is perhaps naive in some ways, but very wise in other ways. Um, A woman who um, tends toward the romantic and um, has a very free spirit that kind of gets kind of, you know... um, Repressed. Mm. In well, she actually life. has three children, right? Yes, three children. And, um, but, she, um, you know, in doing some of my research, I discovered that Anne um, was always very entrepreneurial. Um, she um, made her own money in a variety of different things. And even though they began their relationship having virtually no money, she was very um, creative and um, very much a survivor. And her resiliency is something that really comes forward in the play. Yeah, it's so interesting because we think we know William Shakespeare, and there's even so many things we 
you know, don't know about his life. Right. And there's controversies about, you know, sort that circle around his mm-hmm. world. But I think we know even less about the women of that time. And then, uh, so that's kind of where this play comes in to maybe sort of try to fill in, because there's certain markers that are uh, documented. Mm-hmm. But not a lot else, right? Like very right. little is is known. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, there was no recording devices, no, uh, ma- I don't, no photographs, no, uh, uh, you know, ma- I don't know if there were diaries. Probably not that survived. Mm. All those things. It, so it's 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 a so it's a really interesting way to to look at this story. And Jermaine Greer wrote a very dense book called Shakespeare's Wife, which has which fills in a lot of those things. And it's very, um, it, it takes a lot of the documented stuff and pulls it together. And, um, and that's a good read for people who really want to delve into depth. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What we know about Shakespeare was uh, what his contemporaries uh, wrote about him. Mm. And, and then we have uh, the subject of the play, the will um, and scholars have been, studying that and wondering uh he 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 what he why he left things to people and right because that is an actual document that yes. still exists right yeah. i guess i yes. don't even that would be kind of fun to, do you know where it's housed or how if if there's a way people can actually visit it i guess i hadn't well i it, yeah it's pretty easy to access online okay yeah yes you can see pictures of it any, anyways yeah so that's that's kind of fun that's kind of what launches this this whole story mm-hmm. and um it, this brings us to well, first I should should ask, um, because both of you probably know each other from theater, and I want people to know you have an extensive theater background. You both have done, if, you know, you've likely seen both of you on stage or off stage or around the theater, and so that probably helps in putting this together. Uh, how did you two then first meet? Was it through the theater, I'm going to assume? Yes. Um, well, I'll... I'll, I'll even years before we actually worked together, um, Susan was in uh, Arsenic and Old Lace, and I was a friend of the director and helped with some of the dramaturgical uh, portions of that. And then um, quite a few years later, we ended up being in a play together, um, Inspecting Carol, which was kind of a, a Christmas show. And um, I remember that one, yeah. That's, that's how we uh, got to know each other, and uh, that's how Susan found out that, that I'm a director. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and just to to build on that a little bit, Tom comes down from St. Paul to direct this show and to be in plays and is a member of our theater committee now. Oh, well, we're very lucky. Yes, yes. my first year. Oh, good. Well, that's <laughs> exciting for the Arts Guild. And uh, this, so then this, I mean, I feel like this is, is uh, uh, something that not everybody can take on. And so there must have been considerations for you as an actress to think about, you know, how do I make this happen? Because it's you, you are on stage the whole entire time. That is true. <laughs> the whole and, and it, I saw the book and I was really impressed that um, that's a lot to remember. <laughs> it is. It's 59 pages of monologue. and <laughs> Right. With no other people coming in and off stage. Right. And it runs about an hour and 15 minutes. You know, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, pretty much talking <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> we were looking. We were looking at the script the other day, and we realized that there's actually nine characters that she represents. 
from mm. her memory. Sure. From her memory. From her yeah. stories. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's what's um, really intriguing about this is because you, it starts with that presentation of the will and the questions around it. And then mm-hmm. she tells us, you know, some of the, her versions of the, her story. Right. Through, yeah. through the play. Mm-hmm. And so uh, how did you um, get into or make that connection with that character? Boy. You know, that's, that's a very interesting question. I think there are aspects of Anne's life that parallel some of mine. Mm. And, um, and it has, uh, like most really good theater, it has the potential for catharsis in, in doing the work. Um, one of the interesting aspects for me is um, Anne and Will had a set of twins well that's right you and I both share that that's right so I have a twin brother (laughs) I guess I'd forgotten that (laughs) (laughs) and and there were a lot of things that just really paralleled for me and her journey just really resonated with my own so I won't go into any of those details but um, Mm -hmm. you know it it was just it was it's been very compelling for me so it wasn't hard to make the connection even though she's a woman from you know the 1600s that there and and that says something too like that anyone who's even out there in our modern world Uh that some things don't change yes (laughs) yes yes there are there's that universal um untime limited aspect of you know the story and how did you, Tom, see your role as, you know, Susan is an incredibly capable actress and just, you know, I, I, I can say I'm a fan and every time you're <laughs> in a play, I know that I want to go see it because I just am in awe. Of, oh, thank you for your kindness. Oh, it's very true. I, I just really appreciate your skills and your generosity and your, you know, just commitment to, to everything that you do in the theater. And so it's really rewarding to be an audience member. And so then you come and you are uh, helping with the directing and what what did you see your role or how did you guys figure out how to rehearse together and make things you know happen well um part of my job is to uh, remind susan of of context mm. of when things are happening because this play goes back and forth and back further and uh so it's easy to get to kind of forget that mm-hmm. um i guess uh, we we talked through the script a lot and uh i think that kind of being the person who kind of provided the outline for that the focus of, of what we should be talking about when we're working through uh, the script um was something that that um i did um in theater you try to uh relate the material you're working with with your with your uh real life mm. which is and, and which is what Susan does, and uh, but I also like to um, uh, connect theater with other writings that that don't have necessarily a direct relationship to the to the script, but that somehow that sometimes can help inform us um, about. Uh, Would that be pieces from the time period or contemporary pieces, not, or not necessarily oh. just. Uh, um, it, it's funny how when you st- when you do start working on a script, though, that things s- kind of come your way. It's it, it's like you you 
search you search them out without realizing you're searching them out they kind of they mm-hmm. kind of come come to you and that is absolutely mm-hmm. true in the creative process it's mm-hmm. like once you open a door then mm-hmm. you you see things that maybe or, you know or encounter things or like it's it's a, a an odd experience yeah. but it's so important mm-hmm. and that says something about you have to begin the process mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you mentioned that you had had been you know excited about this for a long time mm-hmm. what um then when you stud- suddenly said okay i'm actually doing this uh-huh. what things started you know opening for you <sighs> well um I actually began memorizing the script during the pandemic. And I would uh, take long walks in the Arboretum, reading the script and memorizing portions of it and planting all those seeds, Mm. um, not really knowing at that point when and how it might come into fruition. Um, And then... um, and then as we started um, rehearsal, as, as Tom said, we had a lot of conversation about where this was going. And he's absolutely right about the context because the way the play is written, it's very poetic. And it, it's easy to get lost in it. Mm. Um, as an actress for um, you to, or, or just in the story itself? As an actress, mm. I would say. Um, because it, it switches time zones, it goes between characters, and if I hadn't had Tom's keen eye to keep me grounded and remind me where I was, I, I just can't even imagine, you know, it's interesting, because we, we say it's a one-woman show, but really, and this is becoming more and more evident to me, it is, um, it's a one-woman show, grounded with a lot of other people's energy and vision. And I can feel that doing it. And, and that it's taken me this whole rehearsal process to come to that realization. But I mean, the friends that are supporting me, the, the people that have faith in it, and the, and the ways in which they contribute either through sound design or, or lighting or just, you know, helping me build my costume or, you know, it's just, it's been, it feel, I feel so supported in it. And uh, I think that's what keeps the terror at bay. It's just <laughs> knowing that I, 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 I am there with the people that want to be there hearing the story that is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's enormous for me. Yeah, and I'm so glad you say that because that's true of every production that there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are making things happen. Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is Art Zany, Radio for the Imagination. I'm here with Susan Dunhop and director Tom Johnson. We're talking about the Northfield Arts Guild production of Shakespeare's Will. You can get your tickets at northfieldartsguild.org. Right on the front page, I think, they've got a link, and it is um, opening on Friday, March 8th at 7.30, and then Sunday, March 10th at 2 p.m., and tickets are available now, as I mentioned. And I, I think we should tell a little, just give people a little hint about the story and what's the experience going to be like for the audience if they come. You, you're kind of like the audience now, Tom. So <laughs> exactly, <laughs> let's let's hear what from your perspective and, and what people might be. Um, ex, you know, this isn't isn't. Uh, I, I don't know how often it gets performed because it's so challenging. Yes. Um, well, one thing I, I wanted to say was that um, audience members who have seen The Hobbit 
are in for kind of a kind of a change when they see our show because the That's Hobbit the had current... like four, up to 40 people on stage and so you see that show and then you see the next one and you yeah, see that's that the purple one person. Purple Door Youth Theater production that's on now and I think the tickets are already sold out but you can show up, there's a couple jump seats at, at every show if you want to and sometimes things happen and people can't show up so maybe you'll get to see it with that but yeah. that's what's currently at the stage so yes, yes there, there's a whole nother vibe <laughs> And uh, and if you can't see the Hobbit, uh, come see our show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. uh, we'll be the over, we'll have the overflow audience. But uh, anyways, yeah. And um, so for an audience, um, I, I I know one of the things we'll learn is uh, the ideas of Anne Hathaway's life and yeah. how you know her relationship with uh, William Shakespeare and their you know uh, arrangements, shall we say, um, are uh, sort of revealed to us through her memories reflecting back on the will and so that's yeah. the, the central part of it but um as, you know I, as you mentioned there were seven characters i think you said that or that come through yeah, nine I nine think, yeah. okay nine mm-hmm. so from an audience tell us about what people can expect well the uh the play um has a lot of uh water imagery mm-hmm. um and i think as you view the play you'll that leads to to something um, and finds um, comfort in the sea, for example. And uh, this play goes back and forth between the past and the present, and it's own, almost the structure of it is is like the tides. It's like she gets pulled oh. out into her past, and then she gets pulled pulled back um, into the present. I like that metaphor. That's that's really a good way of, of for an audience to sort of set their mind on what's going to happen. It's a it's a very rich play. Um, it's very emotional. Um, you you discover it's like you you, you um, discover a whole person's life based based on just what she remembers. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, memory is is not always accurate and. Uh, what we what she thinks about her husband and her marriage is not always 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 uh, correct. Right. So things will be revealed to us that probably we didn't know exactly, and things that happened that um, were major markers in in her life. Mm-hmm. And and one of the things we want to just let people know is that there is just a little um, indicator for audiences that there's um, a content you know, that will come up that might be challenging or difficult for some folks to, to handle. Um, so we just want to bring those forward so that people can be aware prior to coming to the show uh, that it might be something that will challenge some people. Um, and that would be the death of a child. The plague is referenced in there. Um, of course, they're in a marriage, and so sexuality will be a part of their the piece. Is there other things that... Uh, you know, just we just want to make that that clear that it, and it's so it's in a play for um um what's the word adult audiences probably oh yes yeah yes i mean high schoolers i'm sure it would be fine for mm-hmm. um and because our wonderful little theater is quite intimate <laughs> that is important which actually to know makes about. it good I, I think it's ideal for this type of a play mm-hmm. but it is right there you know and um yeah, I think that's important. Yeah, because you mentioned the emotional journey that Anne mm-hmm. Hathaway takes on stage may connect with people 
in things that have they have experienced in their life. And so just some uh, set up some expectations. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't come because Ooh, of that. No. <laughs> it does mean that you're on, you're going to need to be ready for a journey. Mm-hmm. Mm, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And tell me, um, it, you know, when you are in this performance, I'm, I am just like in awe of, I have notes when I do my show. <laughs> I, you know, I get worried that I'm not going to remember the time of the, the show starts or the names of the characters or sure. all those pieces. And so you are uh, needing to be on stage for that whole entire time. And I'm thinking about building up that acting muscle or that that uh, stamina. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful question. And what do you do oh, to do that? Yeah, well... Um, I think uh, I think what most people wonder about is how do you do that memorization, which is a huge piece of it, of mm, course. Of yeah, course. but it is just the slice. Yeah, but uh, what I have found is that I generally do um, one to two plays a year. Occasionally, I've done three, you know, either here in Faribault or in the cities. And um, the more you do that, the more the muscle gets exercised mm-hmm. and the better you get at um, creating the I guess neural pathways <laughs> that you need to <laughs> do this sort of memorization so that you know there's there's techniques that I use for memorization that I have built up over the years uh, of acting and um, and you know it's I'm a little obsessive when I get a script I mean, I just chew and chew, chew the heck out of it. And in fact... So that's like, that's looking at it, not just the words on the page, but from behind it and yeah, inside of it and yeah. around it. and Right, right. And um, it's like somebody, one of us had mentioned earlier about how that piece keeps coming up. You know, you keep seeing it everywhere. So it's very much on my consciousness. It's on my subconsciousness. It disturbs my sleep sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's just you have to get in and just really wallow around and really feel the experience mm-hmm. of it. And, you know, the other thing is I just have to be in this, for this particular play, I have had to be stern with myself. And said, Susan, it's not going to be perfect. You are not going to get it perfectly. You are not going to get every word perfectly. And you have to let go of that. (laughs) Well, and the good news, I would suspect, is that not everyone in the audience is going to also have it memorized. Probably no one will. And so if you repeat a phrase or drop a, a, a... you know, one adverb or, you know, an adjective. Yeah, yes, right. <laughs> no one is, is going to catch that unless you draw attention to it. So that's part of acting, too. It is. Tr- that is very true. But the other thing is the responsibility, while it, it's a big responsibility to carry a show, you're not letting anybody else on stage down. You know, you don't have to worry about giving them the right cue or, right, you know, right. or oops, to... I just skipped a whole three lines. Yeah, right. Sorry about that. <laughs> we'll make up for it later. I'll buy you a drink. <laughs> yeah. And so as a director, that must also be a part of your job in helping each person that you're directing with their confidence and their, you know, um, centeredness and, uh, you know, making sure they're taking care of themselves so that they can be a part of the show in a successful way that yeah, well, I would imagine. 
I need that from the actors myself. <laughs> it's it's so. mutual. It's a back and forth. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the script does uh, include a lot of repeated phrases, by the way. And so when you come to the show, it's not that she is saying the wrong Oh, words. good point. <laughs> well, you mentioned that because you mentioned that it was like a poetry, right? Yeah, and so that, yeah, that would be a familiar thing. Of, and I, I suspect if you're trying to, you know, just if you yourself sat down and started to try and tell stories for an hour and a half, right, you would probably do that as oh, well. Sure. You know, as your anchor, a good storyteller does that, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, you know, the, the other thing is it is not in an iambic pentameter. Good it point. is. It is in uh, contemporary language for the most part, mm-hmm. with the exception of one small sonnet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so people who wrestle with Shakespearean language. Um, yes, it's written in plain well, speech. This but, was written mm-hmm. recently, I think. Yes. Uh, I'm trying yeah. to remember. I didn't write down the name well, of the, the, the playwright. Maybe 2017. Yeah, right around there, something 2016 like or 2017, yeah. yeah. I think with the memorization, it does help. I think Susan especially, she, she benefits from, from doing it, mm-hmm. from performing it. And because she's moving around the stage, you can kind of use what we call blocking. That's called blocking when you move around the stage. You can kind of use that to also help you memorize because, you know, you're in the spot of the stage and... After this is when this part of the story comes up, so uh, that that helps a little bit, I think. That's probably great for um, both for the audience and the actress, then, because mm-hmm. you're. I would imagine it'd be a whole different show if you just sat on a you know plain chair. That we want we, uh-huh. the character comes through, and right. so you mentioned costume is one one of the ways that you do that. Mm-hmm. Movement is probably another. Mm-hmm. Are there other ways that? Uh, you're helping the audience to be immersed in her world. Well, the play is very dynamic, I would say. It's got, uh, and like the themes of it, it has a lot of flow, Mm. you know, so. um, There's that water again. There's (laughs) that water again. And it's so funny because when I was thinking about how the script came to me, I actually have three copies of it because I would put it away and then I couldn't find it again. I order another one and I couldn't find it. So it's not that I'm totally disorganized, but you know, the space of time and you know, it's mm-hmm. a skinny little script really. For mm-hmm. <laughs> well, if you're reading it in the Arboretum, it could be in a backpack or. Right. Yes. So flow, there, there's a lot about the flow of it. And it's a very, uh, uh, for me, it's a very physical part. And, um, and I think, think that really helps with the conveyance of the story um, overall, wouldn't you say, Tom? Yeah, and um, a friend pointed out that the play actually includes the audience in it because she is telling the story. Maybe she's telling it to uh, to Bill Shakespeare, um, but she is telling it out, and uh, the, the audience kind of feels like they're connected to it in in that way because she's speaking to them uh, is that something you think about when you're on stage uh and in and probably you've just been rehearsing with just the two of you of having people there connecting with you in the story and absolutely that, that that'll be an interesting well and because so much of the of the plays that we do involve multiple characters are my, I shouldn't talk about everybody else's, my natural <laughs> response is to turn and address, you know, the person who's next to me or, you know, and I, and Tom has been 
very patient with me, <laughs> reminding me that I need to continue to open up and open up and open up because it's just there's just a natural tendency to pull in a little bit. So, mm. yeah, it's it's been a process and it's been a really I think it's been a good growing process for me. Well, I can imagine that this is probably the biggest challenge that you've taken on stage. Um, I think right up there with August Osage County, mm. maybe. Um, and I, I remember at one point during that show, because that character, Violet, was so isolated in her addiction and um, her illness that she was pretty solitary in a lot of ways, even though she interacted with others and lashed out and all that sort of thing. But it had that that sense of being very confined in her own reality. So in some ways, this is somewhat similar to that experience. Mm -hmm. But at least Anne is uh, an easier character to take home with you than the one from Osage County. Yes, yes, no one probably would want to spend (laughs) too much time. Yeah. And so, yeah, that is uh, one thing I was also thinking about is, you know, afterwards this feels like the kind of play where people are going to be talking about, you know, the revelations and the experiences. And so what are you hoping that audiences can take away from from this experience at intimate theater that's really different from some of the other productions that they might see. Well, I hope that they really get to know this, this person Mm -hmm. and uh, all the different contradictory parts of us and maybe identify with, with that and uh, with uh, getting to know another person. Mm -hmm. That's what this play uh, is, is a lot about. Um, she, uh, when she first meets Bill Shakespeare, she decides he's a man of few words. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then we, then it, the, the play kind of goes from there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. How about for you, Susan? Um, yeah, I, I think, um, I think the experience for me and that I, that I hope will, uh, open up for the audiences is an inquiry into um, Anne's experience of being mm, I don't want to say the wind beneath Will's wings because that's a little bit of a cliche and in a lot of ways that's not true mm-hmm. but about the women that uh, uphold the um, the reality of their partners and um, and that put their own needs secondary so that their partners can have the the life and the vision that they that they want um, it has I would say affected my well I guess I'd say it has tempered a little bit my appreciation for William Shakespeare mm. Uh, and part of it has been just the research that I've been doing and uh, also just the way um, Anne gets taken advantage of. Um, and, 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 you know, that's something that is not just the 1600s. You know, I, w- I was just thinking that yeah, as you were saying that, that that's a familiar story to a, a lot of people. It's a very familiar story about, okay, when do I get my needs met and how do I get my needs met when I, you know... I'm managing a household. I'm, I'm raising three kids. I'm, you know, s- 
keeping the home fires burning. Um, uh, so, you know, um, I love his work, but I'm not real real happy with that man right now. <laughs> well, and there's been a lot of that going on in, in the um, cultural world of, you know, do you take a look at the work that's produced or mm-hmm. the person behind it who created it? How mm-hmm. much do those intersect? How much do you have to give and, attention? And can someone be a genius and do amazing, uh, amazing works and still provide uh, the presence for their family, mm-hmm. for their spouse. Right. That is such an interesting question that I yeah, think we're grappling balance. with mm-hmm. now. Of uh, and and to, you know to look back on, on history of some of the characters we thought we knew and we're learning more and we think oh mm-hmm. I didn't know that or mm-hmm. so it's it's just a really interesting uh, world to to swim around in and to use the water metaphor yeah <laughs> <laughs> and to you know explore for ourselves what that means and who do we elevate and yeah. you know and what, who also I, a question that comes to me is who would Anne Hathaway be if she had had the freedom and the support mm. that she gave to her husband? Mm-hmm. That is such a good question. We and we can't answer that, but we no. can we can explore through her story those uh-huh. those pieces. Uh-huh. And well, I find that fascinating. Even even today, I mean, we have there are artists who feel that because they are artists, that they have the right to be. A not pleasant person. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it mildly. Are you not talking about me, are you, Tom? Uh, that, no. <laughs> <laughs> he has had to endure a lot of time with me, so. I would imagine, how many months have you been rehearsing? Well, we start, We had our first read-through in December. Oh, okay. Um, but you, of course, Susan had years with, with it before, mm-hmm. and then it, to the, uh, an actual, like, stage rehearsal. What we did was we took a longer rehearsal time but we in in terms of the span of the time but uh we didn't rehearse all that often like twice per week when we started out and then three times per Mm -hmm. week but it hasn't been um like a a regular show you where you like rehearse monday through thursday or or friday or or whatever yeah that does bring to my my mind because i think one of the things with putting together a production is you really want it to peak at the right time (laughs) where things feel like they're not going to come together and then they do come together but you don't want to go past that before you get to the audience part yeah (laughs) and that's a a part of the management process as well that you have to do because you don't want to get bored with the material or or uh, or or over prepared, if you or will, complacent. Yes, that's the word. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. theater is a good a good for art form for someone like me who's not always uh, disciplined, because you uh, you have that that goal that that uh, po- point in time when the show has to be end. ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's no going back. You, the tickets are sold and the people are coming. Yeah, and, and I, I just wanted to say that in terms of. You know, balancing, um, you know, uh, Anne's balancing of, of her life's and her desires and her wishes, and you know, um, because I had mentioned that I was a little obsessive with scripts. I mean, it's, I, you know, I have to watch my own time and my own energy regarding being available for my family, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm still, I still have a business. I'm semi-retired, so. Um, and a husband who is very supportive and um and I don't want to take advantage of that so you know 
I'm right there in that same stew that Anne is. Yeah, I was just... As so many of us are. Thinking of that, right? That that's uh-huh. something that's uh, always on, on your mind, whether you're in character or in your real yeah, life. Yeah, As As a, a you know, a mom, wife, uh-huh. business person, uh, citizen, every, everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> it, it gets more complicated. Mm-hmm. And I think this is going to be a really great uh, experience for, for audience members because, like you said, it's it's a whole different experience than what's on stage right now. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's uh, I don't know how, how many one-act plays, or not one-act, but one woman or one man shows the, the Guild has done. I... Oh, I don't know the answer to that. I'm trying to remember... Um... It's I, certainly my first one. Uh, there's very few. And, and I don't know um, if the um, listeners are aware of the lab series at the Arts Guild. It was created so people could um, experiment with something that they really want to do but have never done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even though I, you know, I've been acting for many years, it's my first experience with a one-person show. And so, you know, sometimes it's an original script that will come up through the lab series or, um, you know, other sorts of, you know, things that are, they may not be main stage material, but they really work well in terms of giving um, performers, writers, artists opportunities to explore different avenues of creativity Mm-hmm. So, and that's it, an exciting part of yeah. the, the theater experience. And I think one thing that's important is that audiences come and support those kinds of things so that there yeah. can continue to be lab theater experiences for that's the future. Very yeah. true. Very and true. the Arts Guild tries to do two labs, uh, two lab experiences a year. And Pauline Jennings, our new performing arts manager, Yay. is just, she is so incredibly supportive and um, inspirational. And making these things happen, both main stage and lab opportunities. That's an, a great thing, and I'm so excited. I want people to know about this production. Again, Shakespeare's Will, it is a one-woman show. Susan Dunhopt is the incredible actress that you should just, if, if that's all I said, that's the reason to go to the show, uh, because Susan is in it. Uh, Tom Johnson directing Friday, March 8th at 730 and then I imagine that you set this up so that you had a break. <laughs> because That would be true. <laughs> it's an intense show, and it would be hard to do every single night. So the next show is on Sunday at 2 p.m. the 10th. Mm-hmm. So folks can get tickets now. They're $15 for adults, 12 for seniors and students. And it is probably going to be something that I think... I think this is the kind of thing, and this is the kind of play I like that sticks with you, that makes you, like like the book got in your craw, and you were mm-hmm, just like, ooh, mm-hmm, I gotta exactly. go go there, yeah. and it, you'll have coffee conversations and uh-huh. wine talks, and <laughs> like <laughs> let, you know, explore this. Let's talk about this. Yeah, I in in some ways I wished we had set it up to have a talk back after the matinee, but. We have to do a strike and prepare for the next great adventure. <laughs> yeah, a we, busy we, we stage open it and is. Then we tear it down. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, one weekend only. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you so much for being a part oh, of Paula, today. Thank you. Of course, yes, thank you for having us. You're so wonderful and in encouraging all of our endeavors. I I love doing that and highlighting these things for our listeners so that they can come, because art needs 
every aspect of that from the behind the scenes on the stage um, and the audiences to, to be a part of it, the funders, the uh, supports, every, everything it takes to happen. And we've got a great community and we want to continue that. So oh, thank you so much. Thank Thanks. you. Appreciate it. Folks, this is Art Zany Radio for the Imagination. I've got one notice. This came out. This is hot off the press. Um, and you heard if you were listening earlier to Jeff and library director, Natalie Draper, the, um, Extension has been given for the call for applications for the Northfield Poet Laureate. They're extending that one week in order to accommodate some recent interest, and they want to make sure that everybody has the opportunity. The application is online at northfieldmn.gov forward slash poet, and you can turn those in through Thursday, the 7th of March at 5 p.m. So thanks for all of you who have considered applying, and we encourage you to do so. So, folks, I hope that you always remember to add a little art zany to your life. And in the meantime, till next time, enjoy your imagination. You've been listening to Art Zany, radio for the imagination, with your host, Paula Granquist. Art Zany is brought to you each week by the Northfield Arts Guild and by the Paradise Center for the Arts in Faribault. The Paradise Center for the Arts is a vibrant cultural and artistic gathering spot in historic downtown Faribault. The Paradise is committed to offering high-quality visual and performing art opportunities for Faribault and our region. Regular events spotlight some of the best artists and musicians in our area and throughout Minnesota and the Upper Midwest. Our beautifully restored facility includes art galleries, classrooms, clay and textile labs, a gift shop and rehearsal spaces, in addition to a 300-seat auditorium. Visit ParadiseCenterForTheArts.org for a full schedule of events or call our box office at 507-332-7372. 